Hello and welcome to The World in 30 Minutes, the podcast on the events, policies and ideas that will shape the world from the European Council on Foreign Relations. My name is Mark Leonard and this week we are talking about the French elections. We now know who the two people are who are going to face off to become the next president of France, Marine Le Pen and Emmanuel Macron. And what we're facing is not just a choice between two people, but between two fundamentally different views of the world, which will have enormous consequences for France, but also for the future of the European Union. And to help us make sense of this election, we have two amazing guests. First up is Christine O'Krent, who is a French journalist um, who has worked for many of the different broadcasting outlets in France, but is also one of the biggest explainers of French uh, of, of, Europe, of Europe to French people, including through her weekly radio program on France Culture called Affaires étrangères. And second up, we have Laurence Parizeau, who is the former head of MEDEF, which is the French Employers Association. And she was also for many years the head of the main polling company in France, IFOP, and has been a frequent um, uh, commentator on French public opinion and has also written a lot about, uh, about the National Front and about Marine Le Pen as well. So, Christine, do you want to tell us where we are at the moment? Well, uh, Mark, uh, we are uh, at the beginning, really, of that new sequence uh, that will last until May 7th, the second round of our presidential election. I expect to to be a very violent campaign, uh, certainly in words, and I hope only in words. But Marine Le Pen has started already. Uh, hitting very hard at Emmanuel Macron. Uh, of course, Macron is for her the, the ideal opponent uh, because, of course, uh, he she makes uh, a caricature of him as indeed the elitist former banker, uh, former Hollande minister, uh, the representative of the system, uh, the Europhile, uh, the guy who wants to keep all gates open. Uh, I mean, you know, really the devil. And uh, it will be the 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 apex of this uh, in between uh, period will actually be next week, next Wednesday, where there will be the one and only TV debate between the two candidates contenders. Emmanuel Macron has not yet chosen, it seems to me, uh, the kind of arguments that he will oppose uh, to Le Pen. And I think he has a great deal of work to do because uh, he's, of course, a rational guy. Uh, His team uh, is working, of course, at a program which so far has been accused of being too hazy. And so he really has to hit Le Pen where it hurts. And uh, I don't know whether Laurence would agree with that, but uh, contrary to what has happened in France whenever uh, there was a debate about the far right, the moral considerations no longer work. You know, all the arguments that the far right is is, is uh, devil, that doesn't work anymore uh, because there's too much anger in the country. And indeed, Marine Le Pen has succeeded 
in de-demonizing uh, the movement. So would you agree with that, uh, Laurence, that the cordon sanitaire around the Front National has been breached and that uh, Le Pen has managed to completely normalize it as a party? Yes, I totally agree with what Christian said. Um, you know, we used to call in France for a Front Républicain. That means that all the parties, all kind of unions, all kind of associations um, should be able to gather together uh, against the Front National. Uh, this big gathering is what we call Front Républicain. And now, uh, what strikes me is that there is no real call for this kind of Front Républicain. Uh, not only there is no call, but we can see among uh, some uh, members of uh, Les Républicains, which is the, the party of uh, the neo-Gaullist party, uh, we, we, we see some uh, um, members of uh, the parliament uh, which belong to this party calling for a vote for Marine Le Pen. So there are quite few until now, but there are some who call for Marine Le Pen. So this is really important. And the other thing is, on uh, the other side of uh, the political spectrum, uh, Jean-Luc Mélenchon, who scored uh, very high in the first round, also didn't say anything. He didn't call for uh, fighting Marine Le Pen. He didn't call for voting in favor of uh, Mr. Macron. Uh, so I think it won't be that easy for Emmanuel Macron to, to win the runoff. I, I, I'm pretty optimistic he will win. Uh, but the, the real question is uh, what score he will do. And uh, if he's under 60%, it will, it will be very bad for the country. It would be interesting to delve a bit deeper into the different electoral scenarios um, uh, later on and including what happens after the presidential election in the parliamentary elections. But before we do that, can we maybe unpack what you were just talking about there? Because I think there are two sides to what you were saying. One is what the different elites are doing and the fact that some people in the Républicain are tempted to, to support um, the National Front against uh, Emmanuel Macron and Mélenchon's refusal to, to, to support him is one thing. But the other question is, is how public opinion responds to the advice from these different elites. Because uh, François Fillon was very, very quick after, uh, in his concession speech, to, to advise people to vote for, for Emmanuel Macron. The serving president, François Hollande, also advised people to, to vote for him, and so did the Socialist Party. Are those sorts of things going to help him, or will they just reinforce the idea that there is an elite stitch-up and that um, he will be a continuity candidate, and that's why all of the elites are backing him? Well, I believe that uh, whatever political leaders now say uh, has a limited impact. The more so as uh, the, the, the two political parties which had ruled the country for the past 50 years are virtually dead uh, on the conservative side, 
you know, since Fillon's defeat, Juppé's supporters don't agree with uh, Sarkozy's supporters. The, the party is splitting. Uh, the the uh, the MP for 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 the South for Nice Estrosi has just called for the exclusion of all those conservatives who would not uh, agree to vote Macron. So it, 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 that would be a major split and a very complicated one because all these people also uh, need to run to they want to keep their seats uh, in the parliamentary elections that will follow in June. Uh, same on the socialist side. Uh, the socialist party, as we've known it, is virtually dead. Uh, and so to what extent are these leaders, um, you know, these sort of uh, uh, people who've been in politics forever and who, who are really those uh, whom the French have said, we don't want to see them anymore. That's why they've chosen those two uh, very uh, different candidates, two candidates who have campaigned on the argument, um, fake ones, actually, that they are both against the system. They, they, they both belong to the system. Marine Le Pen has inherited uh, the Front National from Papa, whom she murdered in the meantime. And Emmanuel Macron, of course, is very much part of the system as he was educated in it and indeed trained in it. Nevertheless, again, I think the political uh, leaders, Mark, that you've alluded to will have very little influence, especially when you look at the demographics uh, and the fact that Mélenchon, who, who has a, the, the far left, who has attracted the most young voters. Uh, he's not giving any recommendation so far, uh, which is quite shocking because actually 15 years ago when uh, Jean-Marie Le Pen uh, was confronting the conservative candidate Jacques Chirac, uh, the same Mélenchon actually took an act, who was then a socialist member uh, of parliament, took an active part in, in fighting against Le Pen. So you see there's a, there's a shift there. And indeed, people from the far left may well swing and vote for the far right. So, um, Laurence, you study opinion polls very, very closely. Do we? What do we know about the figures so far about how the different voters are, are, are saying that they will transfer after the first round? Um, I will answer that, but I just want to um, uh, maybe add something uh, to what Christine said. Uh, I agree that um, the position of uh, national leaders do not have a great impact. However, I think that um, the position of your local leaders uh, might have an impact because if you have um, your MP uh, who says that uh, he or she is ready to uh, vote for Marine Le Pen, um, that means that there is no more breaks. Uh, that, that means that uh, it gives uh, the opportunity uh, to some people who are still hesitating to, to feel free to, to vote for Marine Le Pen. So I'm, I'm quite afraid of, uh, of that situation with those uh, local uh, political uh, um, leaders uh, calling for Marine Le Pen. And the other thing also on that issue is uh, I was very surprised that on the night of the first round, Emmanuel Macron, in his speech, 
uh, he didn't even talk of the Front National. He, he, he didn't talk about Marine Le Pen. He didn't call for fighting Marine Le Pen. He, he, he delivered uh, a speech that was like a speech of uh, the second round, like a speech of the runoff, but not a, a speech that you deliver on the first round to mobilize. Uh, coming back to your question, um, the, the, the opinion is it's quite clear. I mean, all the, the people from the rural areas voted massively for Marine Le Pen. That means um, those locations which have been desindustrialized since years. Um, and there is two fronts, uh, the east part of France versus the west part. East part voted for Marine Le Pen and west uh, voted for uh, Emmanuel Macron or François Fillon. And uh, there is another division, which is between urban areas and semi-rural or totally rural areas. So, in a world, we can say we can say that uh, with Marine Le Pen are the poorest people, uh, those who feel uh, uh, given up by everyone, versus the more affluent people. Okay, and. In terms of the, the 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 figures, what do we think is the most likely outcome according to the polls at the moment? Well, the first I'd like to stress, maybe Laurence is, is too modest, uh, uh, but uh, pollsters have been right this time uh, for the first round. It's quite remarkable that uh, the figures that were given uh, proved right. And uh, it had actually showed that Marine Le Pen's campaign was not an efficient campaign at all. She was actually expected uh, to do uh, 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 to perform better. Uh, that being said, the, the latest uh, figures I've seen for the second round is uh, 60 for Macron, 40 for Le Pen. Yes, um, I agree, Christine. Um, the French polls are pretty good. That <laughs> um, um, for this second round, uh, the most difficult thing to estimate uh, when you are a pollster is the turnout. Uh, it's really, really difficult to, to, to have a good uh, projection of turnout and um, the final result will depend on turnout. Uh, so until now, that's right, uh, different uh, pollsters uh, give uh, the same figures, 60 versus 40. But uh, uh, as I said earlier, um, the question is, if Emmanuel Macron wins with a score around 56, uh, something like that, which might be possible, uh, it will be very difficult for him to prepare the general election, uh, which will be uh, in June, and, and also just to govern. So that's the, the next thing I'd like to, to, to look at. But before we do that, because you, as we say, the pollsters were, were, were uh, remarkably accurate, certainly compared to the experience of British pollsters in recent times and American pollsters. Um, can you say with, with quite a lot of certainty that, that the question is about how big 
uh, the majority for Emmanuel Macron is? Or do you think there's any chance that um, there could be some sort of shock during the campaign, either because of the differential turnout question, which you're talking about, or a terrorist attack or a bad performance in, in the debates or some other unforeseen event? No, that- no I, I, don't think, I don't think that there is any serious risk. Uh, and I think also that the polls themselves have a big influence on the final vote. If we imagine that, for example, in the second week, next week, uh, if Emmanuel Macron's campaign is not very good and that is uh, losing ground, uh, the polls will show that. And that will provoke uh, a, a surplus of mobilization to avoid the election uh, of Marine Le Pen as president. So I'm pretty confident he will win the election. Uh, but the question is, once again, with what kind of uh, score he will win the election. So if we think about the, the dangers which you're saying of him not getting 60% of the vote, uh, maybe the two of you could, could sort of explain what, the, what, what that would mean. Is, is the worry that he would then struggle to get a, a proper parliamentary majority and might end up with a hostile government that doesn't want to work with him or that he would be in some sort of cohabitation with a hostile government rather than being able to, to form a coalition? Or, or what, are the, what are the different scenarios? I think that in any case, uh, the daunting task for Macron uh, will be, uh, assuming he wins on May 7th, will be the the next step uh, because he has no political party. He has no political apparatus, no machinery. Uh, His movement has been extremely efficient on the ground. Otherwise, he wouldn't have made, you know, uh, such a high score for, for the first round. But still... Uh, he has promised that he would select uh, new faces, people from civil society, to indeed uh, refresh uh, the old political establishment. But that means that these new candidates uh, have to uh, be to confront, uh, you know, the outgoing uh, MPs, uh, be they uh, socialists who would support Macron for the second round. Uh, be they conservatives who might either fight Macron or support him. So locally, it will be a very, very complex uh, battle. That being said, uh, Macron has also, is the prisoner of our voting system, uh, which has always uh, been there to actually uh, favor uh, the two major parties, because, you know, when you have for parliamentary votes, two rounds with majority, it means that it's only the big machineries that can win. By the way, the same applies to the far right. The Front National is not necessarily very well equipped to win that many seats, although they do have uh, uh, a much better uh, local implantation than before. So Macron will probably explain in the coming few days that uh, he will resort to specific majorities according to specific priorities and projects, and uh, that it would be more like a sort of short-time coalitions 
you know, on every major reform. The mission determines the coalition, to, to exactly. misquote Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah, Exactly. And so how does that look, though? Because if you were electing it, if you're choosing a prime minister and uh, a government, you can't have, I mean, you have to have, that's a relatively stable coalition that's required. I mean, um, Laurence, do you think there's any chance that, that um, En Marche, will, which is uh, Emmanuel Macron's party, will get enough votes to, to form a, a government? Or is it going to be a formal coalition between En Marche and uh, uh, the Socialist Party or Les Républicains, or would it be a kind of core of En Marche people with uh, people who quit and split from their existing parties? What, what does it look like, the post-election landscape? Well, to be honest, I don't have any idea. Uh, it's, this is such an earthquake uh, in the French political system. Uh, can you imagine... Uh, the, the, the political party who is at the origin of the Fifth Republic has no candidate in the second round of this election. It's unbelievable. Um, so now this is uh, just like uh, after an earthquake, uh, there are some uh, aftershocks and there will be lots of aftershocks. And so everybody is moving, uh, everybody is trying uh, different approach, but it's really difficult to imagine how this will end. And maybe the one of the key questions for Emmanuel Macron is uh, which prime minister to choose just after uh, the election. You know, in this French political system, this is crazy. You, you, you had a very difficult campaign. You are exhausted and you are elected and you have to choose in just a few days uh, a prime minister. This is very, very difficult and, and many failures from the previous governments come from this uh, stupid situation. I hope that he is already thinking of his uh, or her prime minister now, uh, but I think it will indicate when he will choose the guy or, or the woman, I, I guess it will be more guy than the woman, um, it will design the future. So you, so just to be clear for people who don't know about the procedure beforehand, he's going to have to choose a, a prime minister to be prime minister until the legislative elections. Right. Would, so that prime minister might only serve for a, for a few weeks if there isn't a parliamentary majority that... Um, no. No, not necessarily. He he may choose a prime minister who will actually, you know, uh, uh, run the campaign uh, for the legislative elections. And whatever uh, the legislative results, that prime minister may well remain. Uh, because in our system, as opposed to the British system, it is not necessarily linked to a parliamentary seat. And is there speculation about particular names at the moment? Oh, well, yeah, but it's a, it's a huge question mark. Uh, one of the most solid supporters uh, of Macron uh, is Jean-Marie Le Drian, uh, who is the, the current defense minister, socialist, but uh, really very well regarded by conservatives as well. He's looked upon as, you know, the most solid pillar uh, who would complement Macron's 
in experience in in lots of areas, starting with defense, foreign policy, and, and all of that. But then he's a socialist. Now, would that be a good signal for Macron, as indeed Le Pen uh, already uh, accuses him of being François Hollande's uh, 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 baby? Mark II, yeah. Exactly. So there's another uh, important figure, the mayor of Lyon, uh, Colomb, who is a very mild socialist, very well considered by uh, conservatives in, in the Lyon uh, area, but we, we, he doesn't have that sort of uh, national appeal. So it's it's very much a, a question mark. I would suggest that Laurence would make a very good prime minister. Would uh, you accept the job, Laurence? Th- thank you, Christine. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, um, if, if Christine is, uh, agrees to be my special uh, counselor, why not? Uh, no, more, more seriously, um, he, he needs, I think, as a prime minister, someone who has a solid political experience. Yeah. Because even even if Emmanuel Macron is brilliant, uh, even if he learned a lot of things uh, this past month, he, he needs someone who is able to, to talk to the members of parliament uh, and someone who, because I think Christine pointed out something very important, which is the lack of machinery. Um, I, I like this word of machinery because you, you have to understand that he, he made a very good campaign, uh, but he had um, he, he was talented to uh, uh, raise money. So he, he, his campaign was very well funded. That's why he was able to to have a, a very nice meetings, very modern, and and all the social networks that we have to to, to do and to conduct today. But uh, a political party uh, able to prepare a general election, it's really very different. So um, he has to have a solid uh, prime minister who knows that by heart. And are there any people from the right that he might be able to to tap? Um, I mean, Bruno Le Maire was somebody who who quit um, uh, François Fillon's uh, campaign quite early on. Might someone like him or other people from Les Républicains defect and and join a a government led by... I mean, Le Maire has, uh, this very day, has already offered his... uh, His services. services. (laughs) Uh, I think... um, Nathalie Kosciusko Morizet, uh, Estrosi, the the uh, the MP from uh, Provence Alpes Côte d'Azur, from former mayor of Nice, uh, who has actually met with Macron even before the first round. Yes, I think you you Macron needs a few conservatives uh, to prove that indeed uh, he's not again. Uh, you know, François Hollande's uh, offspring. <laughs> and of course, don't forget François Bayrou, because what really helped Macron uh, in, in much before the first round was the fact that François Bayrou, who is the sort of historical centrist leader, uh, without many troops, but still uh, centrist leader, uh, he will also obviously be in the government, or maybe he will uh, be 
appointed as leader of the National Assembly or something. But he he will certainly play uh, a part in 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 the new uh, in the new scenario. So can we maybe um, end with some thoughts about what sort of president he will make? He's obviously um, running as not just the leader of uh, the uh, belief in a, a pro-European platform, a connected world, an open world um, in France, but he's made a big thing of reaching out to, to other countries, particularly to Germany. He's been here several times um, over the last few weeks. Um, what sort of uh, flagship policies do you think we would see from, from Emmanuel Macron as president? Um, the, the good news is that uh, this guy is really pro-European, so we, we might hope that we'll be able to uh, get along with uh, Mrs. Merkel to um, relaunch uh, something interesting in Europe. Um, I insist uh, on the fact that he, he was a banker, but an investment banker, that means he's a very, very good negotiator. And um, I think this is not a bad, a bad good news for Mrs. May and for the Brexit. <laughs> I, I, I really do think he will be quite tough on the, that issue. Um, besides, um, I'm not sure uh, that he has uh, very specific views on uh, foreign affairs. Uh, he is very good at economy, um, so uh, um, I hope that he will be able to uh, uh, to do very good things for uh, the French economy. But besides that, really, I I don't know. So, what do you I, expect, Christine? Well, I think that there are really four points that uh, Macron will insist upon in the coming few days. Uh, one is obviously Europe. Uh, it's very interesting when you look at the figures that uh, the French are really split in two halves. You have about 49% of the French who voted for candidates who are against Europe, and you have 49% of the French who have voted uh, for Macron and other candidates who who are for Europe. But I think Macron will indeed keep... uh, trying to prove that uh, Europe is the right dimension uh, for the French economy, uh, for the French culture, for French society, to indeed uh, continue to exercise uh, some influence and, and indeed flourish. Point two, he needs to take into account all the social concerns and answer the anger of all those people who feel they've been uh, let down by the establishment and by the elites. And I think we will hear much more of a, of, of a social, uh, much more social concerns in the coming few days. He has made quite specific uh, proposals in his economic program about, about taxes, uh, about uh, retirement and so on and so on. We don't have time to go into details. Point three, which we haven't heard much about until now will be the environment because there too he needs to appeal to you know a younger crowd people who are more concerned with uh, environment the ecology and, and and all of that 
And the, the final point, I think, will be to plea for uh, a sort of uh, national uh, unity of sorts on values and, and culture, um, not multiculturalism in a sort of uh, British or American sense of the word, but certainly the idea that French culture is an open culture uh, and a mix of many ingredients. And Macron is very good when he talks about that sort of thing. Uh, he's not a great speaker uh, at all, but uh, it will be interesting to see how he, again, he faces Marine Le Pen uh, Wednesday next week and how he will try uh, to be at his best <laughs> facing uh, her verbal violence and her verbal skill because she, she, she's a very good debater. So that will be the moment, I think, that needs uh, to be watched. Okay, well, we'll be sitting on the edge of our seats for the, the next couple of weeks as the um, campaign continues and we'll see what happens first in the second round and then in the parliamentary elections after that. It's been a really, really fascinating discussion. Um, but we often do a, a bookshelf segment where we mention stuff that we've been reading. It doesn't have to be a book. It could be an article. Um, had yeah, there's an interesting book uh, which our friend Ivan Krastov has uh, uh, contributed to uh, in a very interesting way, we, you know, which is The Age of uh, Regression which has been published in English, at least. Uh, I, I don't think it's been published in France. I just hope that uh, France will, the French will show on, on May 7th that uh, Western democracy is not regressive. That's great. And, and what's on your bookshelf, Laurence? Um, now I'm reading uh, the, the book of a French uh, journalist called Anne Niva. Uh, the name of the book is Dans quelle France on vit? And I think this is a key book to read if we want to understand what's happening uh, to France. Uh, because Anne Niva, uh, she's a, a, a reporter and she, she was uh, a reporter who went to uh, uh, countries in war. And she visited France as uh, France was in war. And in, his, uh, in her journey, um, she, she realized and, and she said very interesting things about the huge gap between the people and the politicians. And it, it's with her book, we really understand why Marine Le Pen uh, made uh, such a score um, last Sunday. Okay, and for my uh, bookshelf, I want to recommend some things which our two guests have, have written. Um, you, Laurence, were one of the first people to write about Marine Le Pen as a political phenomenon. It's a very, very influential book that came out, um, was it six years ago now? That, um, yes, uh, yes. And um, there's also a very interesting article about who is Marine Le Pen by Christine Krent, which uh, <laughs> just came out in, in the last couple of days. So we'll be posting links up to all of them and the other publications that we recommended on our website, which is www.ecfr.eu slash podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please do give us a review or a ranking on iTunes. as That's the best way of letting other people know about the podcast and hopefully they will find it as well. 
and tweet about it, write about it on your Facebook page. If you have any comments, do feel free to, to write to me at mark.leonard at ecfr.eu. But for now, from Christine O'Krent, from Lajos Parizot, and myself, Mark Leonard, it's goodbye. The researcher of ECFR's podcast is Ulrike Franke, and our editor is Pauline Goemin.